So welcome back to the Six Piece Podcast. It's fantastic to have your company once again. We are privileged to have today the company of two very knowledgeable uh, English teachers in Miss Chesterfield. Hello. And Miss Winifred. Hello. And today we're going to be discussing Rewindow, looking at a couple of essay topics, which we've done before, and providing you with some, perhaps, ideas, some arguments, and some evidence that you might want to think about when it comes to responding to topics on the film. So we'll start with the first one, which uh, I'll read it out to you in full. It's, in Rewindow, Alfred Hitchcock makes the audience complicit in L.B. Jeffrey's voyeurism. Discuss. And I guess the main thing to focus on here is going to be that key theme of voyeurism, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, which is why um, I was sort of thinking it would be quite difficult to disagree with it, because I think there's so much about the film that works to align ourselves with L.B. Jeffries in terms of those eyeline shots, in terms of us very, very rarely escaping his view. Um, so I, I initially thought that that would be quite difficult to, to kind of disagree with, go against. Mm. And when we talk about essay topics, we see ones that are very similar to this, the idea about it's that shared perspective. Mm. And that's a really important part of this film is it's, as you said, those film techniques but before and it's the sound as well, they're not, they're diegetic sound too. Is there anything else that they're complicit with, not just the actions, but I guess also the ethics behind it too? There's that idea that we question as an audience, the audience questions what they're doing, so too does Jeff and Lisa, don't they? Absolutely, and that's why I really like the character of Stella throughout that text mm. in terms of being that kind of... Um, moral compass or Greek chorus or however you want to consider her, she she functions really to to make us question what Jeffries is up to, um, and especially I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier in terms of at the end her not wanting to look at the body and her feeling that distance I think really returns her character to where she was at the beginning mm. questioning the ethics of looking into this while at the same time kind of justifying their interest yeah. so it's an, an interesting thing Hitchcock is doing there um, so yeah while we're aligned with Jeffries we're also questioning that as we go through through the characters of Stella and Lisa I would say mm. and we've talked a lot about how it seems kind of accepted that voyeurism is a part of human nature in one form or another, whether it's ethical or not is another thing to think about. Um, but I'd like people to think, what point is Hitchcock trying to make with that? Does he agree with it? And if you want to argue the other way, where can you go with that? Well, and I think that's really interesting in terms of making us complicit. And as you both pointed out, we may be being made complicit, but that's not a comfortable place to be. And I think mm. Hitchcock, through a variety of um, both characters and techniques, makes us feel that um, that discomfort of being in that space. And I think that's an interesting thing to, to look at. Yeah. And what is he saying about society? Because it reminds me of the various different topics you see around film watching, around TV watching. Mm. Um, how does this idea of watching people relate to that? Well, and how are therefore we're complicit in that because we've gone to a film to watch this whole mm -hmm. thing and that kind of meta uh, mm. commentary that's going on of us peeking into his life to begin with while he peeks into oh, everyone else's life, yeah, is, is a kind of fun thing to play Lots with. Lots of lies there, isn't there? Yeah, which I think is a good thing to comment upon, but you wouldn't want to get entirely drawn away from the question on. To make it hard to come up with a contention then. Yeah, that's it. And that's what we really need to be careful about is we need that really clear idea. 
and that clear contention and, and obviously those arguments or those reasons to support that come from that. Something I wanted to raise was this idea about being complicit in his voyeurism and sort of complicit in agreeing with his views, particularly on women. I find this is something where you might be able to argue against that. Um, you need to be careful with the way that you worded it, but I definitely don't think we agree with his views on Lisa, the way he ridicules her, the way he ridicules her career, her appearance, um, and even the way that he sort of makes assumptions based on those neighbours, Miss Lonely Hearts, Miss Torso particularly, they don't share the same idea there. It's Lisa who aligns herself with Miss Lonely Hearts, whereas Jeff believes it's Miss Torso. And there might be something in that that you might be able to discuss. That makes me think of something else as well that you could add in, you know, add some complexity to your answer with this. Think about the different types of audiences. Mm. Obviously, a 1950s audience would react a bit differently from a 21st century audience. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. And I think it's, as you're pointing out, it's that discomfort. Again, like if we were to answer this with a contention along the lines of agreeing with it, that we are made complicit, but also made uncomfortable by it, um, by it being the voyeurism, um, that it would be a nice sort of setup to be saying, yes, we're made complicit in this way, however uncomfortable in this way. And I think women would, our views on women um, would help there because Hitchcock does make Lisa and Stella more than caricatures. They're, they're three-dimensional. Mm. Um, and I think there is something to be said by Miss Lonely Hearts is one of the few kind of ethical characters Mm. comes out to support when the dog is murdered um, and Lisa lines herself there and even Miss Torso I say even because we, we use so much male gaze to view yeah. her the entire True. time that we sometimes cease to forget she's a person yeah. um, <laughs> that when, when Stanley comes home um, and she's got this whole other life and I love that moment because you're like oh there's this whole backstory you know she might have been writing him letters while eating all those chicken legs you know that's <laughs> She does spend a lot of time in the fridge, eh? She does. And where is the first place Stanley goes? He goes to the fridge. I'm, goes I'm hungry. Fridge. Yeah. 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 Anything else you want to add on this topic before we move on to the next one? I think just if I got this topic, I'd need to be really careful to actually answer it before going off <laughs> um, on a tangent about the different things we've just talked about. Yeah. So making sure that I've answered the entirety of the topic, mm-hmm. even if I wanted to give a bit of a spin and say yes, but, or yes, and... Um, because I think it'd be very easy to just get carried away with saying. Yeah, and I think we've discussed that question about Lisa being the real hero of the Mm -hmm. film, and the idea is you don't want to get away or go away from that and just talk about all the other characters. If you don't think Lisa's the hero, you need to mention why she's not the hero, because if you start changing essay topics, then examiners are going to see that pretty clearly and know that you've come in with something sort of more pre-prepared or you've skewed it to suit your knowledge, your ideas. Yeah, even if you haven't, even if you've yeah, shut no, up on the right, day yeah, and you're it. just wanting to talk a lot about <laughs> other people, that's, that's uh, it. not All right, look. we're going to move to another topic, which I think we all agree we really like. Um, it's Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window is as much a snapshot of an error or era as it is about a murder. Do you agree? Miss Chesterfield, what are your thoughts? Um, I really like it because I'd, I'd want to talk through all this sort of context stuff but I think that's a bit of a trap isn't it that you don't want to start yeah. writing an essay, essay, essay yeah. <laughs> about McCarthyism um, because you know that's not the purpose here mm. see I didn't even think of that I mm. went into all the gender stuff of the oh, time yeah. and expectations and roles and things that are changing and to, yeah you could get lost in there <laughs> so what did you find with the, the gender stuff 
Um, I personally think Hitchcock's pushing the idea that it is changing in the 50s. Mm. Whether he's happy with that, whether the audience should be or not, is very open to interpretation. Um, things about community as well, the way that people are living at the time, um, especially in a city. Um, the idea, I think it's something I don't really focus on enough in class, the, the human suffering element, Miss Lonely Heart, for example. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of that. I hadn't even got to McCarthyism yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun to see where everyone starts off, mm-hmm. eh? Um, well, and, and with McCarthyism and with what you were just saying, it, it's kind of interesting that you could be saying it's a snapshot of an era. It is equally about a murder, um, but equally the themes and ideas that are investigated are just as relevant now as they were then mm. because mm-hmm. it's not like we're not dealing with any changing gender norms now. Yeah, correct. And it's not like we're not dealing with... Um, government surveillance on our metadata now like (laughs) these are still issues now but again we wouldn't want to get distracted by that we need to stay to the text but there's something neat um that it's for all time just like shakespeare exactly and is it ever about a murder does jeffrey's Mm. care about the murder yeah does he care about the mystery does he just care about himself Mm. Do, do we care about as the audience i shouldn't say wait the audience does the audience care about the murder do they feel any sadness for miss the world, the world. And I was sort of saying earlier on today when I looked at this topic, I said that's not a bad idea to have a discussion about. Um, the focus of this film is the fact that someone gets murdered, yet there's no real care. There's care for the dog, absolutely, that there is. We see that. You know, there's even, you mentioned Stella before, she says at the end of the film when told where the body is that she doesn't want a part of it. And again, it's this idea that someone dies, but does anyone really care about it? Mm. Well, and I like that terrible pun as well. Mm. Like, that just sort of underscores the fact that this is not something that necessarily anybody deeply cares about. And by something, I mean somebody. Even Mm. I'm doing it with my language. Um, You could argue that it is about a murder insofar as the murder of Mrs. Thorwald is the MacGuffin that moves the plot. Mm. Um, But there is that sort of absence at the centre of the, the story insofar as nobody knows anything about her nor does anybody particularly care yeah. it's um, quite nice though, isn't it more than just moving the plot along it gives your old suspense mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you can talk about there yeah so and again these do you agree questions I think um, you mentioned before it's the idea that it's, it is a bit of a trap because you might get a lot of essays where it's gender marriage ethics forums and McCarthy's and those three ideas mm-hmm. but perhaps it might be an essay that challenges that that might pique the interest of a marker or an examiner and that's one way to perhaps if you do it correctly and um, fluently of course that's one way to get a bit of a head start well and i think one of the things we've talked about um a little bit is do you agree is sort of implying to what extent do you agree and that can be i like going through in my mind going yes i fully agree and then thinking through what if I had fully disagreed and then looking at all of the different levels in between in terms of, well, if I said it's, you know, equally or a little bit more this or a little mm. bit less that. I know that's hard to see, you know, yeah. um, but it just helps you run through all of the different options and find something that's perhaps more nuanced than simply saying yes and completely wholeheartedly agreeing with the topic can be. Um, a little bit formulaic at times. I'm really being mindful of having a contention that runs through a whole essay mm. instead of it being fragmented little body paragraphs. Mm. 
and not that it's completely wrong and not that you can't do it but a lot of people seem to want to do one character per body paragraph where a topic like this at least forces you into a contention Mm, absolutely and supporting supporting arguments as opposed to just Mm -hmm. going we will now look at Lisa yes and Jeffries and Stella and with that like there's nothing wrong with as you're planning thinking about characters but you need to work back from there so if you look at this and go I want to talk about Lisa okay what about Lisa are you actually going to discuss is it her gender is it her career ambitions is it her desire for marriage because that's going to be your argument that's going to be what anchors your paragraph Lisa is the example she's not the argument yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that just came to mind in terms of the era is something we haven't really touched on in my class at all is is war. Like yeah. this is a post-war period and you've got people coming back from army. Yeah. You've got the relationship between Jeffries and, and Detective Doyle was forged in war. Mm. Um, so a lot of the freedom and liberty and ability to go out and be an economically independent individual for women was gained through war. So I don't yeah. know. Just a thought. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot in that. Mm. I it's a good little topic. I, I, ideally, you'd want two hours on that topic. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> sixty minutes it is. Uh, let's move to the last one now, uh, which involves a quotation, and the quotation is from Lisa when she says, "I'd say she's doing a woman's hardest job juggling wolves." And the question that comes after it is, "How do Lisa and Jeffrey's views on relationships differ?" What are our thoughts for this? I do like the implied violence in the quote. Mm. You can do a lot with that. He's got a lot of sympathy from Lisa to Miss Tarso there. And obviously if you get a topic like this, you need to think about when that quote yeah. appears in the film and what can you do with it that's useful. If you can't remember where it appears, at least look at the themes and ideas that are evident in it and try and do something useful with those. Yeah, and I think that's something that would be really easy to to overlook is that in implied violence. I mean, if you were remembering your film when you were given this, you'd also be thinking about um, the metaphor that Jeffries uses to describe her in, in terms of her being a queen bee with her pick of the drones. Um, so those are very contrasting ideas of the amount of power that women hold in relationships, um, and particularly given the amount of power, lack of power, depending on what point in the film and your perspective that Lisa holds in her relationship, um, I think that would open up to a lot of a lot of interesting writing. Mm. And of course we do have that, that nice contrast. Um, the idea that women are objectified yet also in the same you know, in the same scene sometimes they're also seen to be quite assertive and independent and free and all that stuff we spoke about with the context. I guess as well I like this topic because the word relationships is used. It's not confined to marriage. Mm-hmm. Sometimes students can fall in the trap of when they get a topic on marriage, they start talking about Jeff and Lisa, which while marriage is part of it, um, Lisa's ambition and, and, and desire, um, they aren't married. And at the same time, Jeffrey's views on relationships are through his vicarious actions. The way he views others in the neighbourhood play a significant role. And this is where we can bring in the cool shop effect. <laughs> Absolutely. And and connecting to his gaze as it goes back and forth. I would want to bring in, and I'm probably not going to remember it exactly, but the quotation he has around um, coming home at the end of a hard day to the washing machine and the nagging. Automatic laundry, yep. dishwasher. 
Yeah. Um, and that kind of alignment of, of women in marriage along with another household appliance. Yeah. Um, which is a very different perspective than obviously Lisa has on her own humanity. <laughs> um, but but there's also that danger. And I think we see that a few times echoed throughout the text. We, we see Miss Lonely Hearts um, having to push a man out of her house and lock the door. We see the same with Miss Torso mm. after a date, shoving the door and locking yeah. it. Um, before she feels safe inside her own home. Um, although, ironically, she has continued to be surveilled by another that's, man that's even right. after she's done that. Yeah. So, um, Well, with the quote in the topic and the one you just mentioned, there's mm-hmm. a sense of it's inevitable. This is the mm-hmm. way that it is, even though, as I said before, the film, to me, seems to be suggesting things are changing, that this acceptance or this understanding at the moment, this, this is the way things are. If you are a woman, you must put up with some level of threat mm. from men. Um, if you are a man, you can expect women, on the one hand, to be dangerous. Think about the looming Lisa and the mm. shadow. But also be trapped into marriage at some point. Mm. And we see um, the newlyweds, and I've read a lot of essays that include the newlyweds, and this idea that marriage can be quite suffocating. And Jeffrey sees that um, a couple of times as the man sort of tries to escape out the window for a bit of fresh air. Uh, I did like someone mentioned that, I think he's smoking a cigarette in one of the scenes, and I like how someone wrote that that shows his frustration with the marriages. It was quite funny. But we get that idea at the end as well when it's the wife who says, if I'd known you had to quit your job, I would never would have married you. That idea that, that women are dependent on marriage for that financial security, but how Lisa completely flips that and is providing him with this brand-new cigarette box that's ornate. Absolutely, and I think it's it's good to remember the the actual financial implications of marriage for women and men, in terms of a lot of women wouldn't have been able to continue their jobs after they got married, mm. um, and also if Lisa had become pregnant, I mean, there's jokes with Stella at the beginning about a shotgun wedding, which mm. I think is not vernacular down here, so a lot of people sort of miss <laughs> that. Um, but if someone were pregnant prior to marriage, there is this sort of implied violence of a father figure forcing them to mm. marry, forcing the man to marry the woman. Um, but being stuck pregnant on your own is not really a financial uh a good financial mm. choice for women at that time, it would have been really difficult. Well, the stigma as well. Mm. Like Very just true. financial hardship. Yeah. I was just thinking as well, as, as you were saying that, think about Lisa bringing home the overnight case. And Very that's true. a massive difference. Um, we see um, Jeffries himself is quite taken aback by that. And Doyle particularly, we get, this is a nice shot to talk about. It's a point of view shot from Doyle's perspective, high angle looking down on the overnight case. And the idea that do you tell your landlord everything, and it's that careful Tom. Careful Tom, yeah, that was the quote that was coming up to my to my mind yeah. as well. Yeah, well, it's kind of linked to a criminal feel as well when Lisa quite innocently is like, "Oh, does he think I stole this?" Yeah, <laughs> but no, <laughs> so what's going I don't on think here? so. No, <laughs> um, but even that is it something to really can seriously consider. Like we talk about um, uh, Lisa being this. Um, assertive figure um, but she really is in this scene quite particularly and and, and the fact that um, Doyle looks down upon it so heavily who's meant to be not so much a moral compass but he does sort of apart from his little brief glimpse of his torso does keep going back to the legal side of voyeurism mm-hmm. which is that have my badge in 10 minutes Yeah. and have you heard of something called the Bill of Rights anything else you want to add on this topic? 
I think just to make sure that when, when we're kind of taking it apart, that we want to be landing somewhere beyond just they differ. Yeah. They do. But the question is asking us how. So sort of trying to categorize or characterize how. Um, so in what ways rather than to what extent is what that question to me is, is trying to push mm. us towards. It's um, not just how, but why. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, contextually, mm-hmm. I think. And having that insight into the characters themselves. And I guess the ending of the film suggests that they've been able to compromise, that uh, Lisa has won over Jeffries and that they are living in quite a harmonious um, relationship. Well, and I think that's that's quite, you know, you can do a lot with the ending, but the fact he's got his eyes shut, she's got her eyes open, yeah. the song is Lisa, like, yeah. um, it's, it's a really nice way of kind of wrapping up in terms of, wrapping up the film in terms of her view of, things is what it's dominating yeah. at the end. I do like the look she gives him as well. It's great. Um, before we wrap up, just... Uh, oh, firstly, have you ever bought a dress worth $1,100? I wish. <laughs> it was my wedding dress, to be fair. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so not your run-of-the-mill Wednesday? No, no, no. no. Nor do I sit around in it on a Wednesday. No, so. it's right. Having a lobster dinner. Mm. Um, I think I bought a suit for, I think it was $500, and I felt there pretty guilty go. doing that. That's not including inflation, though. So, eleven hundred dollars in nineteen fifty-four. Yeah, yeah. Quite a lot. <laughs> uh, just maybe a, a tip or a piece of advice you think is really important when it comes to writing essays on Rewindow, Miss Chesterfield. I'll start with you. Um, I think in your practices and in your practice essays, have a bit of fun with language. Try things out, um, but then with your sack, pull it back. You want things to be as consistent as possible with your expression. So you don't want to have too many peaks and troughs because they both kind of clang. Um, To aim for that fluency, you want consistency of expression and language. You want to be developing your own voice this year um, or refining the own voice you've been developing. Um, And that would be the way for me to be scoring at the top of the rubric. (laughs) Perfect. Miss Winifred? Um, well, other than writing practice, obviously, because expression will get you very far with this, both in the SAC and the exam, um, it all goes back to topic. So I would encourage people to practice as much as possible beforehand with every topic they can get their hands on, use every available resource, um, write their own topics, experiment with those. So the idea is when you walk into the SAC, you are not surprised. There's nothing that anyone can throw at you you haven't already seen before or anticipated the ideas of, and then you should be ready. Cool. Mine is to practice your reading time. I think it's 10 minutes that can be really valuable. Uh, I hope that when they say your writing time starts now, you're not still planning or thinking about your ideas and your examples. Hopefully in your mind, and it's a skill and you have to build it, you can look at a topic blind, going in, having not seen it before, that you can formulate a contention, some arguments, and then examples, and just make sure you're not sort of doubling up on characters or techniques or quotations. Um, I think that's really, really important because you really need that 60 minutes or that 90 minutes or however long you have to write this. You need every single minute of that um, to be able to effectively express your own knowledge of the text and your own ideas and your ability to interpret a topic. Well, thank you for being part of the Six Bs podcast today. I hope to have you back at some stage very, very soon. Thanks for having us. Mm, thank you, Jim. No worries at all. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Six Bs podcast. <laughs>